Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg. It's Friday and Hemel Javeri is on the line. Hemel, how are you? I'm great, Ted. How are you? I'm doing well. We saw each other in real life this week. We did. I was just in New York and we had a very nice lunch together. And I understand that your trip to New York took a dark turn by the end. (laughs) My trips to New York always have at least one moment of uh, like just abject misery. And I and I'm going to say this fully well understanding that like this is a extreme comparison to make. But sometimes when you're traveling, you kind of get a glimpse of what it might be like to be like a refugee. Like you're just so far away. Well, yeah, that is that is an I know I know it's a, that's what I'm saying. It's an ex, that's why I said a glimpse, right? Okay, okay. No, I'm not like, I'm not calling you out for your <laughs> uh, for being insensitive. I'm just saying that is you're right. It, that is correct. That is an extreme analogy. It's it's an extreme analogy and I say this knowing that you get a glimpse of it because you are just so far away from an actual place where you want to be and getting to the end of you know, getting back home just seems impossible. Um, so when I go up to New York, I generally take a 7 a.m. train up there and then I take the 7 p.m. train back. And it's a long day, but it's usually very fun and productive. And this is and this was fun and productive, too. But my train was delayed a little bit. So there was just a moment where I was sitting on the floor of Penn Station eating soup, exhausted, like completely wiped out. And you just want to go home. But but you can't but you have no idea like how long it's actually going to take for you to get home. Um, yeah, I so, mean, yeah. I, I know that every time my wife takes an especially long shower in the morning when I'm trying <laughs> to get into the bathroom, I feel like it's a little bit like having the black plague. So I get where you're coming from with that analogy. <laughs> right. Um, it's, it's, there's, there's all, yeah. Well, I feel like yours is a little bit more extreme I think than that mine. <laughs> you should, I think that you should, probably try, stop trying to make day trips it's just a, it's too long to travel in one day it's always going to take a, d- a dark turn uh i don't know i've been doing those day trips for a while and they're okay and i'm actually i you know me i have a love-hate relationship with new york and there's actually nothing i enjoy more than sleeping in my own bed that's and true that's fair that's fair yeah um all right i can't i can't criticize that we have questions from the internet that Yay, we internet. should answer uh, okay. And the first, we'll these start. Are, I feel these like are actually going to be a total surprise to me because I have yeah, not been keeping up. But. I don't know that you're going to like most of them. Um, oh great! Well, I I'm limited. So we have we've been going for five big questions. Right. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how where we get on these because some of these are just I don't know that there's a lot to talk about. So we might go to some bonus questions. But I'll start with one from our colleague Charles because it's the only one with anything even close to a topical <laughs> sports hook. <laughs> Um, and that well, I have two. Well, I have two questions for you, or after, after we run through our five reader questions, anyway. All right, so. I'm always open to questions. You can ask me a question okay. at any, literally any point. I think you know that about me. <laughs> that like I you can Slack chat me at all hours of the night with random <laughs> questions, and I will respond to them generally with like a fairly detailed response. I will. That's I will very say. true. You never skimp on answers. No, um, <laughs> I'm here for context. Charles wants to know. Who is the athlete you watch who you want so badly to be better than he or she is and get so aggravated at when they disappoint? Oh, my goodness. That's a very good question. Um, um, he is. I, I think we know who he's talking about. Well, well so, so you I, I think I do. 
but you can read this in a couple of different ways, right? You can read this as just his performance on the ice or on the field um, as like, just, I want this person, I wish this person could actually live up to their potential and, and play this way all the time, which I have a couple of answers for that one. Um, and then there's what I think Charles might be referring to, which is what happened recently with Sidney Crosby and that he is a fantastic player on the ice in terms of technical skill and execution, but he makes, uh, you know, he just makes terrible, dirty plays sometimes that reinforces his reputation as kind of being a whiner and a crybaby who acts out when he doesn't get, you know, when things don't go his way. Okay, so uh, yeah, that's a, so there's a slight distinction there, right? So don't so so that's kind of my distinction. Um, I mean, I'm happy to jump into this unless you've got some thoughts that you want to get into. Uh, so mine's it's complicated. You know, I think that as people who try to do predictive sports writing sometimes mm-hmm. on the internet, and you say mm-hmm. like this guy's going to be great, then you get a little bit uh, biased by things you have said, and and like. Of course, yes. you want yourself to be right, you know, so you start rooting for the guys that you think are going to be good. Mm-hmm. And so that's been like a, a history for me is like, oh, I think this guy's going to be great. And then I want that guy to be good. And so then I find myself you know, really disappointed if it turns out they suck, which does happen, especially in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, the real one, and this is this is, again, like there's a professional bias involved in this. And I hate to say that I'm so aggravated if they don't do well, but um, it's basically like funny baseball players, like guys who have really cool, funny personalities. Oh, I just yeah. always want to succeed because I want yes. those guys to be in the spotlight because so many of baseball's best players are so impossibly bland as yeah. public personalities. So uh, anytime, like anyone who seems like an interesting guy is teases that they might be good or is good for a while i want them mm-hmm. uh i want them to succeed really badly uh i mean uh, a guy we had on the show sean doolittle who had, had yes. huge ears for the for the a's and has had you know uh times of being a completely dominant reliever has also had some injury issues in recent seasons and as someone who just like on behalf of baseball and on behalf of having like cool stuff in baseball to write about like i want that guy healthy and performing yeah, no, I completely agree with that take. I think that for me, P.K. Subban is one of those guys, right? He is a just super interesting, charismatic player off the ice. And on the ice, he's fantastic, right? He's been able to back up all of his um, off-ice uh, gamesmanship, needling, whatever you want to call it, with really great performances uh, so far during the postseason. So P.K. Subban is that guy for me. Uh, sometimes I definitely go towards the uh, empathy portion for certain players. Like for me, Pecorine for the Stanley Cup playoffs has been a guy that I just want so much for him to just not suck sometimes because he's been pulled twice in Stanley Cup final games. He's 34. This is his first final game. I, I'm, I'm rooting for that guy just because I think that, you know, to see somebody just kind of crash so far is a little bit brutal. Um, and yeah, then I- in the category... Sorry, go ahead. I have that with uh, with Andrew McCutcheon, who was like one of my favorite players to watch for so long, and then the last two years has just had really, really rough seasons, and it's just it's a hard thing to watch. And again, like a, yeah. a guy who seems like you know legitimately a pretty interesting dude with some interesting things to say, and like I want that forum to matter because he's dope at baseball again. Mm-hmm. He's been playing well lately, but like he's had a, another sort of lousy season to date. 
And and that might just be, you know, their careers are winding down, right? Like, it could just be that they've well, passed Well, I mean, McCutcheon's, McCutcheon's 30, so, like, he's not that old, you know? Like, it's like, Well, it's... I mean, not just in terms of age, though. Just in terms right. of natural performance and ability, and, yeah, and they he... might just have lost whatever it is that made them so great. That is definitely possible. That is definitely yeah. possible, but, uh, yeah, I just, I root against that. I just, because, like I said, like, I just want, I guess I want right. all baseball players to be really good at baseball is really what I want, ultimately, at the end of the day. And and of course I'm I'm gonna read into Charles may not have meant this at all but I think giving the current news cycle he might um, I'm gonna say Crosby definitely fits under that bucket for me as well because he is a incredible player on the ice right he does everything right and I you know I'm definitely willing to overlook a lot of uh, I guess hockey hockey guys will will call it just you know. Uh, playoff hockey or they'll call it old school hockey which just means that you know you take a lot of slashes you get really physical you make questionable hits and uh, take runs at at other guys um but Crosby is not so much a aggressively like physical player like that in that he just makes little dirty moves like a slew foot here and there or you know spearing somebody in the groin like those kinds of dirty plays that make it really hard to root for him right like it just makes him look not like a tough physical player but like a kid who's acting out because the game isn't going his way yeah Um, throwing a water bottle on the ice it's like come on bro you're a you're a grown-up you're a grown-up it it, and it just i mean it just turns people against him and i it's take and the thing is they they were winning they were winning right yes they were, were winning, winning by five zero. Fi- yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I wanted to clarify because that's what makes it. Yeah. Like, if I was losing five nothing in any yeah. sport, I am certainly someone who would throw a water bottle on the like. That's just one hundred percent something I'm gonna do because I have meltdowns and I'm and I hate losing. But uh, if you're winning, no, oh, no, have fun. Just enjoy yes. winning. Yeah. It, and and the thing is that you know he said that he sli- that the water bottle slipped. And I mean, when you kind of look at it, he definitely looks like he's making a weak throwing motion with his arm. But whatever. There is it, the penalty that he was protesting, or the penalty that wasn't called that he was protesting, was just like a basic slash from one of the the predators guys. And slashes, you know, they just refs miss them. They don't get called all the time. The guy wasn't hurt on the play. Whatever. Um, so yeah, so I've got definitely hockey picks for that one. Um, Alex Ovechkin is also somebody that I would throw into that bucket just because I just want to see him be good enough to win a Stanley cup final. I don't think that has a lot to do with him as it does with, you know, the team overall though. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah and that's true. I think of everyone on every team you ever root for, you're always hoping they will be better than they are. And then I know when they aren't, uh, okay. Next one comes from at Dan Lewis. Uh, I should say, I, we, Dan has asked us a few questions on this show, and Dan also does, uh, he has a newsletter that sent, he goes out every day and has for years, and it's called Now I Know, and it's like a trivia newsletter, and oh. I just, I'm thinking about it because I just wrote a really interesting one the other day uh, in which he explained why mattresses have such a strong warning tag. Uh, what? Yeah, you know, you know, you've seen on mattresses. Yeah, like it's like, yeah. It's like every entry-level stand-up comedian's jokes are about right. the mattress warning tags. It turns out it's because, like, in early days, uh, mattress companies could not. There was no standards for what stuffed a mattress, so they were putting mm-hmm. in like horse manure and stuff and things that gave, oh that made people sick. And so the tag was to say what is in the mattress because that was a problem at one point, and then what 
companies did to uh, circumvent it was put put what was in there on the tag and then rip off the tag. So that's why you can't rip off the tag. The consumer, oh. can, the consumer can rip off the tag. It's that the person selling the mattress can't. Oh my goodness, that is very interesting and something that I've not given a lot of thought to, but has constantly irritated me because these like when I'm making my bed and like putting in the fitted sheet, that freaking tag is always in my way. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can cut it off. You're, you're okay I, to cut that off. You know, I, I know I can cut that off. I just never did. So, yes, yeah, right. I mean, that's, well, then, then I don't really have that much sympathy. <laughs> but, uh, Dan's question is, uh, what sport would a person with three functional arms be immediately and noticeably better at? I have thought about this actually at great length. All right, you go first so, because I have, I mean, my gut reaction says... Oh, my gut reaction says basketball, but yeah, I mean that's that's I... that's the one. I, I okay. So so every year around the trade deadline in baseball, someone that's like the common phrase. I like to look at the trade deadline lingo, literally, mm-hmm. which of course it's not intended. But you'll see like you know Nationals GM Mike Rizzo is looking to add an arm, and so oh. I always <laughs> think about you know, why would you want to add an arm? And the only thing I can actually honestly basketball is you think you think having a third functional arm would be such a useful thing and for like carrying groceries and like sort of mundane things i think in many ways it would be useful but it also prevents purchasing any sort of shirt right like you have to alter every single shirt you have um it's also unclear where the best place for a third arm would be right right do you want an arm coming out of your back so you can never sit down uh, or at least never lean back no so like to me i think that the best place for a third arm and the best function for a third arm is having it sort of right below your dominant arm uh and it is for basketball i think you'd be like you just have so much better ball handling skills if there was a third arm in play that i would be at least slightly better at basketball but i think the real issue is that I don't think having a third arm would be enough for me to be professional in any sport. Like, I just don't think that's getting me there. And I don't think that – and so in that case, I'm not sure it's worth the inconvenience it will cause in so many other aspects of life. Well, so let's back up to to this point, which is that if you had a third arm, right? I'm assuming that if you have a third arm, then – a lot of other people will also have third arms. No, I you're the only person with a third third arm. You're the only person? Okay, well, if you're the only person with a third arm, then yeah, I agree that having to alter basically your entire lifestyle and wardrobe to accommodate that third arm is more trouble than it's worth, right? And yes, the if you can't have it like sticking out of your chest or whatever, that's that's not attractive. No one's going to want to sleep with you with that if that's the case. Like the best place is at some point adjacent. I mean, I'm pretty charming. <laughs> uh, speak for yourself, right? Like, so like, I, I actually think that I would want my third arm to not be adjacent to the dominant arm, but adjacent to the weakest one because okay. that's where you need the most help, right? That's a good point. Like, yeah, yeah. Like my my right arm is is pretty solid, but my left is kind of you know it, it could use a little bit of help. So I I would have that there. Um, I guess my so, thinking for dominant arm was that was really about like the the 
I mean, I think the th- the time I most frequently want a third arm, mm-hmm. and I referenced carrying groceries, but like groceries or laundry when I'm trying to get out, it takes three keys to get into my apartment from the street. So when I'm like fumbling with the keys and I'm carrying a lot of groceries, that's like sort of a big pain in the ass. And that's when I feel like, man, if I had a third arm, that would be super valuable. And in that case, I feel like to balance my weight out, like I'm going to want my dominant hand for the dexterity necessary to get the key out and in the lock. And so I'm going to want the weight balanced with this second arm on my right side. I I mean, I think you're using your third arm for some pretty mundane stuff. What are you using Uh, your third arm for? I'm using I'm using my third arm to help me be a faster typer because I'm kind of slow. Okay, that's that's what I would use that as. That's a lot of of traffic on the keyboard, though. Yeah, that's all right, though. I think um, I I mean, not. Yeah, I certainly don't think like I said, I don't think it would make me a better writer by any means. I think it would just make me a little bit faster. Um, but I'm with you. If I were going for any kind of extra body parts, the arm is not my top choice. What other, I mean, I feel like we're pretty (laughs) well designed. I feel like that's the thing. Like maybe, I guess you could make a case for like, if you I definitely go for an extra leg so I could run faster. Do you think it would make you run faster? Yeah, man. I think it would help like turnover and speed. And it would also mean that your legs don't get as tired and you would be a freaking beast in the pool you could swim super fast too. yeah you could swim super fast that doesn't that's not like that valuable though are you still gonna are you gonna, uh, be, are you gonna be an olympian if you have an extra leg are you gonna swim I, that fast you know i think that at least it would make me competitive like right now i'm the last person in any race and i think if i had a third leg i would be a solid middle of the pack but are you entering a lot of swim races I used to do triathlons, and uh, it okay. is humiliating to be, like, the last person in the lake in an open water swim. Yeah, but and, more like, humiliating the, than uh, having a third leg. More and humiliating. the lifeguard is just, like, rowing alongside you, hoping that you don't die. <laughs> yeah, is that worse than being, like, then getting out of the pool in the middle of the pack and being like, oh, yeah, here's my third leg? <laughs> better than having a third arm all right i don't know i mean i i feel like maybe having a couple extra fingers might be useful sometimes but um like functional ones not like the you know because some people do have extra fingers but most cases they're non-functional uh antonio alfonseca marlin's reliever of the early aughts noted uh noted polydactyly or person Mm. living with polydactyly i don't know how you say that but uh yeah i think in most cases no you kind of want what you got I, I agree with that. I'm I'm happy with what I got. Um, and I don't I don't the the typing thing wouldn't work for me because I have very long fingers and I don't I just don't think there'd be room. I'm looking at my keyboard. There's no way I can get a third hand. There's no way you can do that. Whose dog is that? Um, it's our neighbor's dog. All right. And uh, now I've. Is it a good dog? No, it's a terrible dog. Uh, All it does is bark every single time. Like. The dog will be inside, and I will be walking up to, like, let myself into the house, and the dog will start barking. Uh, that's annoying. Uh, no, does, yeah, they're super annoying. Does it anyway, set- I went inside so that I could talk, talk, you know, smack about my neighbors. Does it set off the rest of the neighborhood dogs when the one dog starts barking? Because that was always a thing in my yeah. parents' neighborhood. It was, like, my dog would bark once, and then, like, the dog next door would bark, and then the dog next door to that would bark, and then all of a sudden, like, all of the dogs in the neighborhood are just barking. I like and, them and- a lot. That's exactly what it is. Like, there's another dog up here. Like, they have the neighbors have two dogs on one side of us, and on the other side, there's one dog. And if they're all outside, it's just like it's it's game over. All they do is bark. Yeah, yeah. My dad, my poor dad, works from he works at home, and he works from our attic. So like, he would put the dog outside and like get all the way back up to the attic, 
and then the the barking starts and like then I think he would have to work like he spent like 15 years of his life just working like with the feeling that at any moment he's gonna have to go back downstairs and get the dog inside um, next question next question. Uh, yeah. so yeah so I think that we settled on basketball as the best sport for a third functional yes. arm but again not not good enough for me at least not good enough of basketball to matter uh, much in my life at all uh, next question uh, comes from CC at strand that RISP on Twitter uh, and this is a food question but it's a conceptual food question and it's a two-parter okay well, um, and I think very second, complicated. I'm pretty sure he's kidding in the second half but he wants to know is avocado toast uh, an open-faced sandwich and why do Millennials suck so much <laughs> um, I have answers for both of these questions. Okay. I imagine that your answers will be a lot more complicated and drawn out. So I'll give you my two answers. Uh, one, I one I will say I'm not a huge fan of avocado toast. Really? I like avocado. Yeah, I like avocados just fine. But Do you like toast? Like, I, I like avocados and I like toast. And then putting them together does not taste as great as you think it would. Um. I'll give but a strong, I know, I know I'll give a strong disagree on that, but go on. Yeah, I, I felt like you wouldn't agree with that that very hot take. Um, uh, open face sandwich, yes, sure, why not? And why do millennials suck so bad? You know what, I could go off on that for a long time. But I think that it's because they pay too much for avocado toast. And I'm kidding, that's, that's actually not Right, well that's, that's what, what the question refers to. Right. I think it was an editorial somewhere that said that uh, the millennials can't buy houses because they spend too much money on avocado toast, uh, which is a ridiculous thing to say, especially I could say as someone, I don't know, and, and I'm going to get to this half of it in a second, but I don't know if I qualify as a millennial or not. Like I think You're not. I don't, we're on, not millennials. But it depends so. on where you draw the line because some people are like, oh, it's 1980 and after, in which case I would barely be in. And some people are like, oh, it's 1982, and in which case I would miss by a year. But uh, I'll get back to that point in a second because that's part of what I think is so dumb. Uh, okay. As for just the is avocado toast a sandwich, no. Um, it might be an open-faced sandwich, but I would say also that uh, it, the, an open-faced sandwich is a misnomer. It's not a sandwich. To me, a sandwich, uh, even more than it needs two distinct pieces of bread, uh, it needs to make some effort at portability. That's the point of the sandwich in the first place. And so but, an open but avocado sandwich is toast like a... Isn't, uh, but, I, but that means that avocado toast qualifies as an open-faced sandwich. It's portable well, sure. and it's Yeah, 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 no, that's fine. It's yeah. an open-faced sandwich, but that doesn't make it a sandwich. He, he of course, I should yeah. say, CC f- phrased the question, is avocado toast a, and then in parentheses, open-faced sandwich so is it a sandwich no is it an open face sandwich yes yeah absolutely is it a sandwich no a sandwich has to have two pieces of bread minimum before you get into other stuff so no sandwich no open faced yes agree on that as for millennials and i hope i can express this in a way that makes any sense whatsoever but <laughs> and and it's something i've wanted to write about and i've been trying to sort of find of like a uh excuse to write about a little bit I think that the term millennial and I don't know. I don't think the term millennial is all that stupid because I think that uh, every single 
you know, grouping of 18 to 34 year olds or whatever, you know, marketing niche that they're targeting is always going to get a shorthand name because it's easier to say millennials than it is to say, you know, people who are under 33 and past college, right? Which Mm -hmm. is basically what they mean. But millennials is a, is a broad stroke term that was invented by people who are selling stuff to millennials, right? It is, it is the target demo. That is why that word exists. That is why it's a thing. And so it's always weird to me, I mean, for so many reasons, it's always weird to me that people, and this is not just millennials, this is people of all sorts of, uh, who are interested in doing this, that people would be like, yes, I am a millennial. Because what does that mean? Right, because the same people who are getting offended that someone could say in broad terms, oh, millennials buy too much avocado toast, then those are the same people who who want to be in this large category of millennial, which includes like a billion people, by the way, right? It's not like it's it's it makes you in any way unusual or unique because you happen to be born between whatever arbitrary endpoints they've set for this generation. And I don't think it means you have anything in common with those other people. Like, if you mean millennial to mean me and my friends of this age who all you know went to college and eat brunch and and get avocado toast then you mean that thing but that's not all people born in those years it's such a ridiculous proposition to to say i don't know i i've never been moved to identify with there's very few like big groups i want to be a part of ever right mm-hmm. and so that one is especially baffling to me because you're saying like we all have things in common because we're all sort of born in the same era. But then if you if you actually break it down, it's not even true, right? Because but there are I... people, someone who's 26 right now, right? If you're saying that someone who is 32 and someone who is 25 are both millennials, guess what? Someone who is 32 probably remembers life before the internet. Someone who's 25 probably doesn't. That's a huge difference, right? Like that's not that's not all the same. There's an end. We're all, I think the, the point, I think the point, the thing that people get so mad about, about how millennials were raised, is that they're all taught to be their own unique snowflakes, and then they're all like, oh, no, no, no. we're all saying we're millennials. I think you sound kind of like a crazy old man that no, just went on. I, I'm like, a crazy listen, middle-aged man. I, okay, you, you had me for a little bit, right? Like, I, I kind of understand what you're saying, that it is ridiculous to lump people into one large group right but people we do this throughout history right there's the greatest generation which is like the post-world war ii generation right there's generation x and the me generation all it i i think that all it really is is a way to try to make sense of cultural similarities across broad groups of people but that's just trends that's just trends then no and and that's fine like it's and but there's no i'm not saying that every single person uh, identifies with every single thing. I think that there is all the millennials, me generation, and generation X is just a way to culturally look at time and place and the effects that has on society. And I think that's totally fine. I'm fine like, with, yeah, look, look, as, like, and as that's, a shorthand. And that's what it is. Like, as a shorthand, it's, it's that's a short, fine. Yes. It's weird as a, as like a rallying cause for people. Like, oh, like, I, I don't here think, come the I millennials. Don't, like, you're a part think, of the that's team. Every generation. That's every generation. That's, that's dumb in every generation and and i agree with that i don't disagree with that but i think that the terminology and the way to kind of culturally pinpoint similarities between broad swaths of people who happen to have a wide range of influences but 
might be influenced mostly by like technology changes and uh, social social behaviors like that's all okay and i think from a sociological perspective yeah that's what people do right they try to find patterns within large groups of people i just um, don't to see where the similarities are i just don't get why there are cutoffs right like i just to me well, it's so because weird generations because it's varies by generation because the generation is like approximately 20 years but, so yeah but, it's stupid to kind of narrow it down like millennials are to me millennials are basically anybody who doesn't remember life before the internet but don't you um, don't but, but also is just kind of in their mid-20s or late 20s right now no so so but yeah okay but if you if you go to like the definitions they generally say it's like 1980 or 1982 I, yeah so, yeah you're being too literal i think oh uh, i don't know if i, I am i think just, that that's no, the problem is that it's such no, a vague I think thing you're being, no i think you're being way too literal because no i think the term is way too vague i think the term is way too vague and that's what I think that what you're doing is trying to be like hyper specific, right? Because there is you can be an older person, um, but you might have millennial tendencies, right? Like I feel like I am again, I'm with you, right? Right at the cutoff of what people would consider a millennial if you just looked at dates, but I'm easily not a millennial, right? I'm way too old. Um and we don't and like you said, like I remember life before the internet and these other, you know, people who are a couple of years removed from us don't remember life like that those to me are the cutoffs uh, um if you're trying to qualify who is a millennial and who isn't uh but one thing about the millennial generation that really drives me crazy and i know i'm making like a huge um a huge stereotype and i'm not saying this is again all billions of people that fall under this category is that there every time I have interviewed somebody who is like within who falls under this demographic is that there's always somebody who comes back to me and says, well, I need to go ask my parents about this and then I will get back to you. Like and, and that to me, if you're in a job interview or you're talking to a coworker at a happy hour, like that reliance on, you know, parental involvement drives me up the wall and is what drives me like the most insane about the generation. Like spend as much money as you want on avocado toast. I don't care. But don't call your dad before you order to ask, like, before when you're at the restaurant to, to see what you should order. See, I feel like that is more angry old person stuff than anything I said. <laughs> because everybody does that. It's always like, oh, the kids these days with their yes. loose morals and their, yeah, their, yeah. they don't have our hard work. Like, fine, I'm sure you can find, I mean, you can definitely find examples of people saying that about baby boomers before them and every other stupid like I think everyone the baby boom I kind of get right because there's like a very significant sort of cultural end point that created that right um so like and I guess that's where it all really starts in terms mm -hmm. of defining people by generation and so it's just like well what is your relationship to that that generation right uh, and, and I, I don't know I just uh for me, I, I feel like every 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 generation is always gonna say the next one is bad for some reason. Like that's just always what happens. And so we yeah. invent terms like millennials because we wanna be we wanna complain about them and then sell them stuff. And so if I, I were if I were in that age group and or or if I am in that age group, I would want no part of identifying that way. I would wanna say, as I do say, that I am the sole member and the voice of Generation <laughs> Ted.
I agree with you in the fact that I'm destined to be an old person who constantly looks down on younger generations. I mean, right? kids like, these days. I've had yeah, too much of them. Like I'm kids, with you. Yeah, I like kids these days. But to be fair, I don't think millennials suck. Like, I think there are certain tendencies in people that are younger of than myself they don't that, suck. Drive, that drive me up the wall. There's a billion like, yeah, people. There's a billion there's... people. How could they suck? Yeah. Um, right? Like, you know, I, I mean, there's, and you, know, and you could just, and think, you, know, you could think out of, like, all sorts of different examples of, like, people we work with of those ages. Like, do they have anything in common across them in terms of, like, hey, you know, and good things and bad things? You, like, I don't know. Everybody has, like, I brought up the example the other day. Like, why? So, so Beyonce, Jared Kushner, myself, and Pitbull were all born in 1981. What do I have in common with those people other than my like sort of sizey lower body and I would say like pitbull sense of rhythm? <laughs> I mean, I you're but you're you're definitely moving away from the spirit of it, right? It isn't just based on you were all born in this year. But that is like exactly what bit, it's that's exactly no, what it's based no, on. No, 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 no. I I mean there's different aspects to it though and you also don't know you all probably do share the same cultural frame of reference because you were born in the same year and you grew up with the same thing that's true and and, like that is one thing we have in common right we were we all probably watched thundercats on tv when we were little kids stuff like that but that is but also no but also but also different ways of looking at the world a lot of different subtle things right in terms of what is possible your outlook on the world on democracy on political systems all of that that like subconsciously and consciously shapes your worldview has a lot to do with when you are born so yeah maybe on the surface so no no so maybe on the surface yes like you might not have anything in common with beyonce but if you're both like pro-democracy people that think that the wall in germany was bad that has absolutely everything to do with when you were born but uh, but uh i don't know because like ideologically i share a whole lot more with my parents than i do with jared kushner right but and no one is saying that you shouldn't but but so you're just like you're saying like well well certain things that you have and that you have in common due to birth date exist and i don't disagree with yes i'm just saying i don't know why i have more in common with those people born at the same time as me than i necessarily do with someone five years younger than me that i hang out with I think that you're not making that time gap big enough, right? And no one is saying that you can't have anything in common with somebody five years younger than you just based on when you were born. I'm saying that when you're born, like all these different factors are going to influence uh, how you look at the world, uh, how you see yourself in the world. uh, um, and that changes from generation to generations. For some people, the subtleties are big or I think it changes subtle. I look, here's the difference between what we're saying. I, I agree with you that it changes over time. I just, I reject the notion that there is any such thing as like an end point to a generation. I think it's all sort of vague grayscale. And I think uh, that, that I what agree. frustrates mm-hmm. me is saying like, I, it's just, it's just frustrates me when I see genera- people identify I think that, that the way. cutoff, I think that the cutoff is a little bit more fluid than that. And to me, generations are approximately about 20 years, right? Maybe some are 25, maybe some are 22, maybe some are 18. But to me, it's an approximation. And that line can be fluid. I agree with you on that. Um, but I think there is there is a little bit of a separation. All right. I just want to make um, it imbu- anyway, abundantly clear. I think we lost everybody. Though. Yeah, I, I just want to make it abundantly clear that I am part of no generation. 
Okay. Other okay. Than Ted is a loner, That's and right. uh, he awesome. he belongs to no society right. except for himself. Yeah, I'm the only <laughs> one that speaks for me. Uh, would you rather fight ten squirrel-sized Aaron judges or one Aaron judge-sized squirrel? This is a no-brainer for me. From Didn't Sean, we already Sean do Mercer. this? We've done this a lot. This is a common hypothetical uh and that's the only reason i, I, I want to bring go it up. on record as saying as i hate this question it's 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 not the best and here's why it would always be that you always don't want to fight the big thing over the small things because the small thing because so because you're always flipping it right so aaron judge is six foot seven and 280 pounds he is adapted to be six foot seven and 280 pounds as as an aaron judge size aaron judge there's no doubt that he would beat the living tar out of me if he wanted to seems like a nice guy and i don't think he wants to but as tiny little aaron judges like he's not yeah he's not adapted to fight me i could just yeah punt, punt all the you little can, aaron you judges could punt away. all of them whereas like, I agree with a, this. A, a squirrel is ready to fight at like six inches off the ground, right? Right. And so a giant squirrel has all that. You're, you're never gonna win. No, yeah. No. Uh, it's just it's a and like the same thing is it's always like would you rather fight one duck-sized horse or a hundred hor- ducks? Uh, one horse-sized duck or a hundred horses? I don't even know how to say it. But I would I would of course fight the I would fight the duck-sized horses. You just kick them. Horses aren't built to fight at duck-sized. All right. Well, I'm. I. You have said everything that I want to say. You just jump up and down. If even if they all charge you, you jump up in the air. I don't want to belabor this. I just want to reiterate the point that I have not been in a fight, and part of me kind of wants to be in a fight. Okay. I I mean, we can can set up a fight. I agree with you. No, no, it's okay. I agree with you. I would rather do. Would you do like if it was like a uh, in like not just like oh like Hamill's gonna have a street fight down outside the USA Today offices in in Tyson's corner like you know like a big circle like like because all my fights were like that they were like outside the deli like in middle, middle school, school. yeah, yeah um, but. What if it was like a, so? So one of my friends did this thing a couple of years ago where uh, he he was a lawyer or he worked for the DA's office and like everyone in the DA's office spent or all the people who were willing spent like two months training at a boxing gym and then they had a night where they like for charity they invited people myself included and they paired off and they boxed each other and you got to watch like I got to watch my friend box some dude that he worked with and it was cool it was awesome it was fun to watch my friend won and he beat the crap out of the guy and i had to like give him more respect than i normally give to my friends you know and Mm -hmm. that kind of was uncomfortable but uh would you like so would you would you box nina if that was like a setup thing (laughs) yeah a hundred percent i would box nina and nothing against nina i would box you i think that that would be oh no i don't i don't want to box you that would be i don't think are you worried that you would hurt me because uh, no no of course not i but i don't think that would be i don't think we're in the same weight class i'll say that no (laughs) yeah i don't think we are uh i'm i'm fairly delicate and frail um yeah i would i i think that I mean, I, w- I just wouldn't want to punch you in the face. I want, like, yeah, like, I mean, there are several coworkers that I would be happy I mean, to box, I, and you're not I one of them. Would I fight some Teds that are squirrel-sized or one squirrel-sized or one squirrel that is Ted-sized? Like, I think that you... Would fight you the... Yeah, I would fight a bunch of squirrels. I mean, all um, you do with the little I would ones... Find a little, I, mean, I would find a bunch of little Teds that, that you know, I could just drop kick. Right. Um, That's what I say about the horses. Like, just jump up and down, and eventually you'll just be jumping up and down on a pile of tiny dead horses. 
Oh god, that's awful. Uh, no, but I, I, yeah. There's two different kinds of fights, though. Like, yeah, the the boxing ring is cool, but that really is not. That's not in the spirit of the kind of fight that I want to have. You want to have like a. That doesn't to, happen a to lot. To be fair, in though, I don't want to. I don't want to be uh, in a fight where I'm being like attacked by an assailant or anything like yeah, that. Right? No, like, yeah, no, you don't. You that's missed not it. the kind of fight I'm talking. You missed about. your chance. You missed your chance. You don't get in. I, I'm sorry. Like if I think that once you're past like 25, if you're getting in like a physical, an unsanctioned physical fight, you're like good chance you're either being attacked or you're a crazy person. Right, like those are the and only two people get to neither. Neither are good for me. So yeah, uh, uh, I mean, I yeah, I I. You're probably never gonna get in a fight. I'm sorry to break that to you, unless you go seeking one out. In which case, uh, start with Luke. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, okay, le- we got a couple. We got a couple quick ones. This is uh, the. How many su- do we have left? Um, I don't know how many we've done already. I think this might be I, number five. I think we did three, but yeah, go uh, ahead. Um, well, no, we did Charles, we did Dan Lewis, we did the Millennials Avocado Toast, and oh, then we, we did, did yeah. the uh, the Horses one, or the, the Aaron Judges one. Uh, right. This is from at Sitar, and this is an interesting question. He says, how on board are you with groupthink decisions being handed off to artificial intelligence or data mining, like click a button and it tells you where to eat dinner? Um... Oh, man. So, see, now the other neighbor's dog came out. That's um, a yippier dog. Yeah, they're, they're all repeats. <laughs> uh, so, have you seen Bob's Burgers? I, I say that because no. this was the topic of a Bob's Burgers cartoon, which okay. I think is a very funny cartoon for adults. Um, I think that I am not very comfortable with it because I just don't like... One, I don't like people telling me what to do, and I'm definitely going to just immediately resent it when a computer tells me what to do, right? But here's the, so here's the counter because I I agree with that. Um, and but but in a situation where you're like with like seven people and everybody's like, okay. oh, we should go eat. Well, I don't know what do you want to eat. I don't know what do you want to eat. And you have to. Someone has to step up and make that decision. And I know this because it happens in the New York office. Whenever everybody descends upon the New York office, it's always like, "Oh, Ted, where are we going to go eat?" And right, it's a we always leave it up to and you. And it's a nightmare. But then I'm like, "Oh, what about this place?" And someone's like, "No, nah, I don't want that." And it's like, then, and that's always how it how it plays out, right? So if there was a way, and like what it doesn't exist with, uh, it, it couldn't happen with the existing data about restaurants that is out there you would mm-hmm. need a more comprehensive system and uh way more information you couldn't just go like oh yelp reviews because d- it depends on your priority right like someone on yelp might be like oh two stars because i got bad service but i loved the food and if you're with a group that's prioritizing good food then you don't care that that guy got bad service uh but so uh, but well, say there was an app right and you was like okay seven people all together we all have the app and we're all going to eat. Now we all answer three questions about what we want to eat, and then the app tells us the best, most democratic, fairest place to go. It still is not going to solve your problem. It's still not going to solve the problem because somebody is going to say, "Uh, but I still don't want Italian right now, right? Right, it all comes down to who who is the strongest in voicing their opinions. Yeah, and and I will say that generally, like you talked about this, um with uh, with family right like there's always uh, 
because with friends, everybody has to be a little bit more polite, but with family, you can just be as rude as possible. And for, for me, we talked about this where I'm definitely the one who has the strongest opinion on where we eat. So I will not abide by any computer telling me someplace that doesn't fit with what, where I have already wanted to go. Um, okay. What about this one? What about if, so I personally like don't love Google maps or Waze. I use them, but I wish I didn't because I love knowing how to get places. That's like a very important thing to me. But what if, what if every single person in the world who was ever in a car, like every car was just hooked into the same traffic database and it was, you know, designed via artificial intelligence to ensure that if everyone just follows what the thing says, that everyone will have the least traffic. Would you be on board for that? No. I 100% hate traffic, but again, this boils down to the same thing where, and I'm even, I'm not even like you. I have no sense of direction and I get lost constantly. Like it's so bad that when I left one of my old jobs at AOL, they gave me a GPS as my going away present because I would just always, always get lost going places. Um, And even then I still would not abide by that system because I do, I think that and I, and I read an article about this that I think is really interesting, but I think that this over-reliance on technology is, I, I mean, it's not going to lead to a Terminator-esque scenario anytime that we're alive, but I don't think it's good. It might if they send the Terminator back to this time. <laughs> but no, there was, give me, so there was an article in Outside Magazine about how being able to navigate your way actually builds like gray matter in the brain, right? Like you're actually learning stuff when you get lost and then have to figure out how to go someplace. Like it's good for your brain to, to build that muscle. Like it's deductive reasoning too. Like you're like, well, I've, I'm at the beach. That means I am in this direction and I know I want to go in the other direction, right? Like just all that stuff. Yeah. You have to figure stuff out. Like you, like using your brain to figure that out, like and I, and again, this could, this is one of those weird generational things, right? Like if I had had Google maps when I studied abroad, I would never have gotten lost. I would just, would have just dumped the location of the class that we're supposed to go to and then figured it out. But one of our big assignments was that they took away our maps and they dropped us off someplace and they were like, all right, figure out how to get back to where you live. Because that was just a good Wait, where was to your, have. Where, where did you study abroad? So I studied abroad in London, and what they did was that they kind of took us on a really couple of different roundabout ways to go get dinner. And at the end of the evening, they split us up into five groups, and they said, we're taking away your maps, and you guys have to figure out how you're going to get home. Like, you can all come home together. You can all take different routes, do whatever you need to do. Um, But it was an exercise in being comfortable with not knowing where you are in a new city, but also being comfortable in being able to figure out, like, how do I navigate all this so that I can eventually get back home? And if we had just had a GPS, you know, you don't learn any of those skills. So I'm down with as little traffic as possible and I still wouldn't sign off on that. Okay. No, I see like I think that I I agree with you. Yeah. Um that I want cuz I always I always like I I always want and I don't. Like sometimes I still do need the ways or I still like try to find like a way yeah. which runs the fastest route right now. But like I sort of pride myself on knowing how to get places. Like I I always have, you know, so I don't want to lose that. It's just a 
I don't honestly I don't want to have to go to my phone every time I get in the car to find out where where to go you know and like and I, do I know find it, and I do find that those things are not still not great and like they give you these shortcuts sometimes sometimes especially when you're driving around Manhattan like it really mm-hmm. doesn't know how to handle side street traffic in mm-hmm. Manhattan which sometimes you'll sit in for like 20 minutes but it doesn't right. have like a program for how slow it moves you know so right. it, it um, so that's but that's a separate beef with it but I'm just saying if if we could optimize it like what if what if it was just like Elon Musk was like hey guess what like we've got a self-driving car it's super cheap we're going to be able to eliminate private ownership of cars altogether everybody gets their car like we have and this is never going to happen right but there's like a right. national mandate all cars off the road we're replacing all of them with self-driving cars and they're all going to be optimized for the least possible traffic no it takes away no none of that and i think this is where that generational divide is going to come in um because it just takes away so much personal freedom that i would never be on board with it yeah i mean yeah that's a good point i never really thought about that with self-driving cars is that i kind of like cruising you know, you, like but some, you don't like to drive, though. Didn't you say that? You're, well, you're, so you're a kid, I so you don't love, like to drive. I love driving long distances. I right. hate driving short distances. Okay, like, I agree I, with that. I hate. I find like, nothing more appealing. Errands. Yeah, I find nothing more appealing than like the open road and nothing else to do. But I don't. Yeah, I don't like getting into my car when I need to go to the grocery store. And I think that especially having. I mean, I we grew up in inner cities and stuff like that, but then. We've, you know what I mean? We've had a very car heavy lifestyle, right? In terms of going places. So being able to drive places and then being able to just change your mind or being able to try to circumvent traffic, um, all of that is like too closely tied to personal freedom for me that I can just get in a car and go someplace, but I control how that happens is not something I'm willing to, to give up or outsource. I think that is the first I've never thought about that before. I think you're absolutely right. Now I'm down on on, on driving <laughs> cars. So the first time I am like, oh, actually, absolutely, yeah, you're right. I'm wrong. Well, I don't the, want that. the only, the only, but I do think that that like that option is great because I my dad is super old and he can't drive anymore because he's like he can't see well. Um, and it would be awesome if we had them because then he could just kind of go places. So for old people, yeah, I think that's that's a pretty cool thing. Right. For people who can yeah. otherwise drive, I feel like what would happen would be almost like the same thing that happens for me on Spotify, which is like I can't I'm, I'm not, I can't necessarily think of other music I want to listen to. Like there's yeah, mi- there's millions of songs I like and I can only only 10 come to my top of my head. So I wind up listening to the same songs all the time. Like I feel like with a self-driving car, it'd be like, oh, where do you want to go? Well, we got to tell the car before we leave. Yes. So we're just going to go to this place again. Yeah, and we do that all the time. Where do you want to go in the city? I don't know. Let's just point to the city and figure it out. So I, I agree with that. Um, um, all, right. all right. I think I think that's a good place to cut off. Uh, we had some other questions. I will just answer them directly to people on Twitter. <laughs> uh, so you can check out the For the Win podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher. Please subscribe, rate us, review us. Check out what Hamill's writing uh, for the remainder of the NHL playoffs, which I think are almost over now. Are they oh, over? fingers crossed, almost over. Two games uh, max left. Could be just one. Uh, that is on For the Win. I am on For the Win. This podcast is on For the Win. Thank you for listening. And Hamill, peace out. Peace out, Ted.